And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. It's a big gamble, it's a big risk. But to get rid of Arsenal Hootel, I don't think anyone will probably argue with that. You come in at this high level, things are expected of you straight away, you're expected to hit the ground running. I don't care who gets the armband as long as it's not him because the guy walked away from the stadium before the match had finished a few weeks ago. You can't give him the armband. I just find Everton boring. Of all the 20 teams who would watch in the Premier League, that would be 20th. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and this is the Weekend Preview. I'm joined by Tim Spears, Richard Mofa and Bet365 Steve Freeth. Coming up, we're going to look ahead to Chelsea's visit to St James's Park, Southampton head to Anfield looking for a new manager bounce and leaders Arsenal take on Wolves. All to come here on the Weekend Preview. Right then, we'll start with Newcastle v Chelsea. Newcastle United are enjoying the best winning streak in the league, having won their last four in a row. They began the season with five draws from their first seven games. Richard, I'm going to come and put you straight under pressure on your first podcast. Are they the real deal now, Newcastle? I mean, you have to look at it and you have to say, look, you know, they're in really impressive form. You know, I think we expected Newcastle to do well this season, but but not this well. You know, we look at Bruno Guimaraes as the, as the star turn, but um, I've been impressed by two things with Newcastle this season. I mean, first of all, the way Eddie Howe has improved the players that are already there as yeah. well. So the likes of Amiron, the likes of Wilson, the likes of Longstaff, the likes of Cher at the back. And secondly as well, I mean, we all expected Howe to play, you know, a lot of pretty football you know, as he did at Bournemouth, but he's not been shy to to be pragmatic. And um, I'll give the Spurs game as, as an example. Uh, apologies to, to Tim, but, um, you know, they, they were very happy to play a lot of long balls over the top, a lot of balls through the channels just to turn Spurs around. And, and it proved to be effective on, on, on that day. So the fact that they've been very pragmatic, the fact that players have improved and their defence as well. I think they've got the best defence in the Premier League, joint with Arsenal, um, which, which is fantastic, really. So all those things joined together. I mean, you have to look at Newcastle and be be really impressed so far. Yep, sensible transfer business as well, perhaps not bought in the way that we thought Newcastle mm. would. And Alan St. Maximin has returned from the bench in the last two as late subs. Alexander Isaac is also injured at the moment. So Steve, they've actually, in the time that their form has, has, has really picked up and they look the real deal, they've been missing two key attacking players as well. Exciting times, clearly, with those players to come back. And I think you'd just wrap Sir Maximum up in cotton wool, wouldn't you? There's no need to rush him back. Let's just look after him and nurture him and we can see what he can do. He's explosive sort of game as well. You know, easily get a pull here and there. So look after him. Could they ever go in January again? Possibly. And from a, a top four point of view, not so long ago, they were drawing against Bournemouth. They were 16-1 to one to be in the top four. They're now 6-4. to four to do that. I mean, this time a year ago, Newcastle were odds on for a relegation or there or thereabouts from the Premier League, looking down, looking towards the Championship and now they're looking towards Europe. So, like Richard said there, the job that Eddie Howe's done is, is I've never been his, his biggest fan previously. 
But looking at the job he's done this year, I doff my cap. It's uh, it's been an outstanding job he's done. Tim, where at the moment do you have Newcastle finishing? Well, if they win at the weekend, they're on 30 points from 15 games. I think I'm right in saying. So that's two points a game, which is a great target for any team chasing the top four. You know, if you continue that, they're on 76, which equals Champions League. And I think the thing with Newcastle is obviously they can go and strengthen in January and two of their best attacking players have barely been involved in recent weeks in Isaac and Sir Maximan. So you just feel like Newcastle are going to get better every six months and every year, you know, from now on. So I think with the issues that Graham Potter has at Chelsea, which we'll discuss, and, and Man United certainly far from the finished article as well, and Spurs stuttering, you know, top four, it, at the moment it's opening up. Now, we can't predict anything in the second half of this crazy season, but at the moment it's opening up. But whatever happens, I mean, Eddie Howe, as sort of Steve was saying, has, has surpassed so many expectations. I, 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 I don't think he's getting the credit he deserves, really. And I do wonder if that's because a lot of our friends in the media have absolutely sort of written him off and torn into him when he left Bournemouth. And he's taken a little longer to sort of win people around and for people to swallow their pride and eat humble pie and say, yeah, he, you know, he's doing a fantastic job. I, you know, I'm one of those people that wrote him off and you, you can't say anything other than a fantastic job he's doing because one of the main criticisms levelled him at Bournemouth was he couldn't organise a defence. And as Richard said, you know, they've got the best defence in the league now. So also, if you look at they were a year ago, which we do so often in football, they were 19th a year ago. They hadn't won this season a year ago. Uh, they drew one all at Brighton with one shot on target. They won one in their first 22 last season. That's how bad they were. They're on, you know, they're on, they're on to be one of the worst Premier League teams in history. So to now be third a year later, but they haven't, it's not like he's bought a new 11. You know, six of the team that beat Southampton last week were there before the takeover. So it's not like he's gone out and like, like Chelsea 2003, four, just bought a new team. So I, I think it's, he's doing an absolutely outstanding job. I can't praise him or the club high enough for, for everything they're doing at the moment. And even the signings they bought in in January, with the exception of Bruno Gamares, they weren't really flashy signings, were they? So the, the fact that they're third at the moment, like you say, is, is absolutely mind-blowing. C- credit to Eddie Howe, because he is doing an incredible job. The better question probably would have been, will Newcastle finish ahead of Chelsea? Proper presenter would have got that question in instead. But Rich, Chelsea... It's too late now. Too I know, late. too late. <laughs> Chelsea were dominated by Arsenal last, last week at Stamford Bridge. They're out the league cup now as well. <laughs> Potter's early days, I know, at Chelsea, but mumblings and and questions will start to be asked now, won't they? Of course. I I think it's just part of, you know, when you're at a bigger club, you just get more scrutiny placed upon you. You know, at at Brighton, you know, he played great football then, but they would often go on, um, on, on winless streaks. You know, I think there were two occasions last season where they had quite, quite long winless streaks. So it's something that's not new to Potter. Um, but I, I think he's he's got enough to turn it around. I think, you know, in his defence, a lot of the, the players are out of form, whether it's fatigue or whether it's just just form-based, you know, the likes of Cucurella in particular is really un- underperforming. And you've got you've got the win-back dilemma as well. I mean, you've seen the likes of Sterling and then Pulisic playing there and obviously that's not their their best position. So it's something they may need to look at. But again, in, in his defence, you know, since he's joined, because of the sheer turnaround of games, he's not really had much time on the training pitch to really get his ideas across. But, you know, again, you come in at this high level, things are expected of you straight away. You're expected to hit the ground running so of course this this uh this scrutiny will be new to him but um i think he's a good enough coach to, to turn it around definitely yeah they were they were on a good run before obviously potter was unbeaten for a while and then you have a couple of couple of iffy games and questions do get asked in in the modern day steve what, what are the odds of both these teams reaching the top four at the moment 
Yeah, make a good point, Dan. He, he can soon change, can't he? Recency bias, social media, mm. you're only as good as your last game. Nine unbeaten he was, I think, previously. But I think we kind of looked at it before, hadn't we? And on this part, and said, well, they might be getting results, but they aren't really playing playing that well. Uh, they're out to nine to four to finish in the top four, which is a big prize for Chelsea, considering that yeah. they're normally odds on to do that. We do actually have a market on where they will finish this season. So I'll ask your guys' opinion, as I, as I always do. Uh, we've got a market first, second, third, fourth, all the way down to sixth or seventh or lower. So I'll, I'll, I'll go across the board. Dan, what are we thinking? I was really hoping you wouldn't come to me first. Um, <laughs> fifth? Yeah, four know. to one for for fifth. Rich? I think they'll sneak in fourth. I think they, they've got enough quality there to put a run together towards the end of the season. So, yeah, I'll go fourth. Okay, we're thinking a six to one. That's, that's a fairly big price. Tim? Fifth. Remember, Spurs fans are listening. No, but I'm just trying to think back because because we we do this every week and, and we're all going to get stitched up at some point when, when someone collates our predictions. <laughs> I remember saying Newcastle sixth and Man United seventh a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I think therefore Chelsea Chelsea fifth. Okay, yeah, fourth one. I think I might have said Manchester United as fourth a few weeks ago. That was why I went Chelsea <laughs> as, as fifth. I so I have to I'll, I'll stand by that if, if I did say that. I can't well, remember what I say. No, no, I say I a mean, lot. They are tw- <clears throat> they are twenty to one to finish in the bottom bottom half, which is. Uh, Quite a short prize for a team of, of, of Chelsea's calibre. Can you remember, bonus point, the last time Chelsea finished in the bottom half of the Premier League? You'll do well. Um, would it be the first season of the Premier League? I'm going to go 94-95. Oh, Daniel, very close. <laughs> Is it? They're off. 95-96 when they finished 11th under Glenn Hoddle. It was unlucky. Yeah, 15-16, they did finish 10th under... That Jose then hitting. That's what I, w- I was going to say, to be fair. So, Rich, I should have come to you. Apologies. I apolo- I no, no, it's okay, it's okay. I knew. That's why I moved away. You looked like you knew the answer. And I, I, didn't, want my- <laughs> I didn't want it to, to spoil it. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, Chelsea are 150 to 1 for the title. It could be, uh, could be a long season for Potter. It feels he's already under pressure. Yeah, I think he'll get time though under the, under this new ownership. I, I don't think this this new ownership will be as cutthroat as, as perhaps Roman Abramovich was. So I think they've kind of bought into him now. I mean, they paid a lot of money for a start for him to come to Brighton. So I think I think they will give him time. Let's move on from that game now and look at Liverpool against Southampton, which is the Saturday three o'clock kickoff. And Nathan Jones has been hired to replace Ralph Hausenhutel. Hmm, my, my thoughts. I, I won't say my thoughts. Tim, I'll come to you first. What do you think of that? Southampton have only taken 17 points from the last 26 games. It feels a little risky to me. Massive risk, Dan. I, I'm really surprised they've done it, to be fair. They've got, they've got to stay up. They're one of those clubs that, you know, new, new ownership, invested a lot of money, spent so much in the summer. If they go down, honestly, they, they're one of those that, that you can see the sort of black clouds in the distance, you know, looming overhead. I mean, obviously the job the job he's done at Luton is is one of the best we've seen in the football league in yeah, it's great. the past in in the past couple of decades. It's again one of those sort of underrated stories, I think. But you've just you've just got to look at when he went to Stoke and when it all went wrong and question why that was. I hope for Southampton's sake they've had a really good look at that. I know Stoke aren't, aren't the best or most stable football club in oh, recent hey, years. What? So it's <laughs> so that's that's a really difficult job for him to go into, but they, you know, I'm no expert here, but they need to look into the reasons why he failed there. Was it down to him? Was it down to the club? You know, he's a really likable guy, very, very passionate character. And, that, you know, maybe Southampton do, do need a bit of that because I think Hassan Hootel's energy had gone, had faded. 
And they do need a bit of a fresh start. And I'm surprised they didn't do it in the summer, really, because they've had a bit of a fresh start with the signings they brought yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it felt like it needed a head coach to go with that. So, yeah, they've, they've done that now. But as you, as you say, it's, it's a big gamble. It's a big risk. But to get rid of Harson Hootel, I don't think anyone will probably argue with that. Steve, you'd have been across Nathan Jones' time at Stoke, being, being part of Bet365 like you are. The club was kind of on the way down at that point anyway sometimes a, a club is, is circling the drain it doesn't really matter who's in charge they're going to go down anyway I've, I've seen that with with Villa five six seven years ago as well what what, what was his time like at Stoke really if you look at the the bare results pretty poor yeah you look at that but there are <clears throat> there are reasons for that he, he inherited a, a dressing room that used to be relegated a difficult dressing room players that probably didn't want to be there and he got a young up-and-coming manager with probably little experience. Probably some of the players didn't even know. And he's gone in there and he's got to try and stamp his authority on there. And the way that he is, we've seen him on the touchline, we've seen we've seen some of his methods. And that would be difficult. That would be well, that would have been a difficult. He also had an awful lot of bad luck. Stoke were punished by mistakes, goals conceded, their XG for every game was particularly high. He was given an awful lot of time to, to prove it, because I would imagine that the owners saw that, that Nathan. He's a good manager, and we've seen that at, at, at Luton. Of course, his danger is, is he just a one-man club? Oh, he can do it at Luton, he can't do anywhere else. I'll tell you what he will have. He will have so much more experience and learned a lot more about himself in that stint at Stoke, and he's been a lot better for it. And I can understand Southampton going for Nathan Jones personally. He's still young, he's still hungry, he still has a massive point to prove, in my opinion, about what happened at Stoke. And it's a, probably one of the youngest teams, isn't it? At, at yeah. in the Premier League at Southampton, probably a, a average of around twenty-four. I was at the Stoke Luton game in midweek, and of course, you know, Stoke fans were were giving him stick. Some Southampton fans are thinking, "How the hell have we employed this guy?" Nathan Jones is is a good manager. It's just one of those things. It didn't work out at Stoke City. Personally, I wish him all the best. Yeah, Southampton have got what one of the youngest squads, Rich, and they've had that big refresh in in the summer. You almost feel like because Nathan Jones has never managed in the Premier League, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything really, but they may have been better sticking with Ralph because he's kept them up before and they've kind of not backed him in the summer, but they've worked together with him in the summer to, to, to have that recruitment and refresh that squad and make it a younger team. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, because they recruited so many young players, you are thinking, oh, okay, there's a, it's a long-term project going on here. But I think they did have to get rid of Hassan Hootsel. I think, you know, things were running a bit stale behind the scenes. You know, there was a little bit of conflict between himself and, and the dressing room. And sometimes, you know, a, a break is, a break is needed and, um, fresh voice. Well, exactly. And as you say, it's clear that Southampton do have a long-term strategy in place and perhaps Nathan Jones might be the best person for that. It might be even a case where they might have to go to go. Obviously, if they go down, it'll be it'll be you know catastrophic. But they might have to go down and then come back up again and really you know have to get that experience in with those players as well. But it's really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see where they go from here because as we say, as we know, Nathan Jones is unproven at that level. So it'd be interesting to see kind of the direction he takes them in. Whether he tries to change tack in January or whether he wants to persist with the young players and, and see how see where they go. But as we all know with young players, you know, inconsistency is is rife. Um so it's it'll be key to 
you know, for for Jones to get his methods across really, really early. And um, yeah, hopefully it can ride up the table. It's an interesting game. Probably not the game he'd have chosen to start with. Liverpool obviously beat Tottenham last week. They're now seven points off fourth themselves. Tim, is this a resurgence now? Because that, we thought the resurgence was coming when they beat Manchester City and then they go and lost the teams near, near the bottom of the league or at the bottom of the league at, at the time. They've beat Spurs. It's almost as if Liverpool at the moment, the big games, they're there. It's, it's these kind of games are the ones that they're now struggling in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't look too much into into beating Spurs as as being a sign of a a really good resurgent team at the moment. You know, the Nottingham Forest reserves beat Spurs, so um, yeah, I mean, you know, fair play to Liverpool. They 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 started really well. They took advantage of a, of a few Spurs weaknesses, but that, I mean, that second goal, the one that ultimately wins in the game, is, is literally handed to him on a plate by Eric Dyer. And they did look vulnerable to me. And I think a team with a few clinical strikers up front or at least some more creative options, because, you know, Spurs are really lacking. Richarlison and Saan and Kulisevsky couldn't start. And Kane is Kane's so tired he had to stop training this week. You know, they're completely gone, Spurs, at the moment. So I think a better team or at least a team who could show some more energy in the final stage of the game would have punished Liverpool. Trent Alexander-Arnold still looked really vulnerable to me. Nunes was one of the positives from that match. I thought... Um, he looked great cutting him from the left. One of the best performances I've seen him have so far. But the problems they've got, I just don't think they've gone away. And it's just a case of them getting through, hopefully for their sake, with a win this weekend and then really looking to push on, you know, after the World Cup. Quick word on Salah, Steve. 14 goals in 20 games in all competitions now. Is, is he finding his best form? The good thing for him is, I guess, he has a break coming up. He does, Dan, yeah. And I think just because Haaland has been, has been absolutely superb, we're kind of looking at Salah thinking, oh, well, he hasn't been. He hasn't been that great. And admittedly, he hasn't hit those massively high standards that we're so used to seeing with him. He's won the Golden Boot, was he, three times. But he still odds on to score at least 20 goals this season. He scores against the big teams. He's got 44 goals against the big six in his Premier League uh, stay. He's got five in the goals in the, in, in, in the last four games in all comps as well. So he's 8-1 to one to finish in the market without Haaland as top goal scorer and with three places available, Dan. I'm pretty sure the each-way thieves will be about for that and Liverpool are third favourites for the and okay they're more than likely won't win the title but they are four to six to finish in the top four and as I said last week I'm not totally writing them off I think Liverpool do finish in the top four interesting stuff and stay with us because up next we're going to look ahead to Arsenal and their visit to Wolves Hi, I'm Adam Crafton, and I'm the host of The Athletic's new documentary series, Away From Home. We've been following Ukrainian football team Shakhtar Donetsk through the Champions League group stage. They've had to play their home games in Poland following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The first bomb, will never forget. In this series, we're going to take you inside Shakhtar. <laughs> traveling with them across Europe as they set out on their Champions League odyssey. It's not only about football now, it's about show that we are fighting. I'll be speaking to those in Ukraine itself, hearing stories about how the war has affected them. My wife's father, he died. They killed him here. Subscribe now to Away From Home to follow the whole story. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? 
Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. Next up for us, it's Wolves against Arsenal, which is the Saturday 7.45 kickoff. Rich, how much of a statement win was that for Arsenal last week at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, well, it was huge. Uh, I've been really impressed with Arsenal this season. I think every every challenge that has come before them, they, they've taken on, apart from the Manchester United game. You know, I think everyone always turns around and says, oh yeah, but you know, Arsenal haven't played X, Arsenal haven't played Y. But now they've played X and Y and they've beaten them. And so to go to Stamford Bridge and, and really dominate the game, to create the chances they did, to, to just assert their dominance, especially away from home, was really impressive. And, you know, to restrict Chelsea to just five shots on goal and no, no big chances. I think the XG was 0.3, which is, you know, you can look at it as poor from Chelsea or great defensive performance from Arsenal. And I think, you know, the, the back four in particular, very strong and you know, they've got the creativity to cause any team's problems. So, I think it's you have to look at Arsenal now as you know as a really serious contender for the title, and you know I think as as many have said, you know anyone who does finish above Arsenal will fit will win the league. So you know, Arsenal are right in there, and you know going away to Stamford Bridge and winning like that is a fantastic statement. Yeah, last season Arsenal took sixty nine points from thirty eight games. They're already on thirty four from thirteen this season, so that's just under half the points tallied they picked up last season. Tim, are you taking that title bid seriously now? Yeah, definitely. I, I, Rich has absolutely nailed it. There, you know, every every question asked them so far, they've answered. Um, there, there, there will be bigger questions to come, particularly around squad depth. Although, you know, we've seen Reese Nelson and a couple of others come in and, and plug some gaps recently, but I, th- I think that will become more of an issue in the second half of the season. But they're a winning team. You know, they're good to watch, and I, I, I think the most important thing for me is that they look organised, and every player looks like he knows what he's doing. And he knows what the guy in front of him is doing and he knows what the guy to the left of him is doing. And that's obviously credit to Arteta. I'm just gutted they haven't played City yet because that, that's the game we all want to see. Still waiting. Um, I, 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 do, do we know when it is? I don't know. Um, well, obviously, they'll be two in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, they're fantastic to watch riding the crest of a wave. You know, um, I guess if you want to be a fan of any club in the country at the moment, apart from Aston Villa, obviously, Dan, it's uh, it's Arsenal. Arsenal actually went off favourites at Stamford Bridge which is a, a huge statement to, to what Arteta's doing. That hasn't happened for for quite a while. But as I mentioned last week again, we we still think that they're a mile away from Manchester City. So it's one to five Man City for the title, five to one Arsenal. Even if Manchester City would have dropped those two points against Fulham last week, Arsenal would have only been four to one for the title and they would have been what four points clear or whatever. So yes, Arsenal, I think the fact that they were favourites at Stamford Bridge is a little bit to do with how we rate Chelsea currently, although Arsenal are certainly catching up on Manchester City. But the gulf between the two sides, from a bookmaker point of view, is still pretty big. But of course, it could change with these two games, which we're all looking forward to. I kind of disagree with the bookmakers. I think Arsenal are a proper outfit this season. I think they went to Stamford Bridge and won last season, if my memory serves me correctly. I think they won the last three there, Dan. 
Yeah, but this season, it, that's, a, that's a different type of performance. This, this is a different Arsenal now. They're a proper outfit with, with proper players and, to be fair, a, a proper manager as well who's been given time to harness what he wants at Arsenal and they're, they're reaping the benefits of, of, of that now. They've had a bit of patience and, yeah, they just look at such, such a great side. They can win in different ways as well and that, that was a different type of win against Chelsea at the weekend. We've got some trivia now. Saturday marks 15 years since Arsenal scored their 1,000th Premier League goal away at Reading in 2007. Who scored it? I don't know the answer at this point, so I'll, I'll have a guess as well. I'll come to come to you first, Tim. Van Persie? Van Persie is probably a, a sensible guess, I, I would say. Rich? <laughs> um, someone random like Alex Song. Fair, fair. Steve? No idea. Nicholas Bentner. Nicholas Bentner? Jeez. I will go... I'll go Aaron Ramza. Right, drum roll, please. I've just been sent the answer. Are any of us correct? Absolutely not. We're all, we're all dead wrong. <laughs> the answer was Adebayor. Adebayor puts on a bit of a gallop. He's got support on the outside. It's back in here to Fabregas. It's Adebayor. Arsenal are sharing the goals round at the moment. Rich Jesus and Martinelli are on five in the Premier League. Saka and Erdegaard on four. Not a trivia, but I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think will be their top scorer? <laughs> um, I, I think Martinelli will, will be up there. I mean, him and Saka are, are the main bets, aren't they? I think lots been said about Jesus and his his lack of goals, but we all know he brings so much to the team. I think Tim mentioned last week seven assists, which shows his his, yeah. his worth to the side. Um, but I, I just think Martinelli is just when the ball's on the other side, he's I think he's a little bit better than Saka at getting in on the back post and getting on the end of crosses. Whereas Saka's a bit more. He wants to, you know, he wants to create, doesn't he? He wants to get in a ball, beat his man and get across it. Whereas Martelli is more of a, of a finisher, more of a poacher. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with him, but I think it'll be, it'll be close between him and Saka. I think we're going to change the odds, Rich, after I've spoken to you, because Martinelli's five to one, Saka's at four, and we've gone for the obvious choice being the favourite, Jesus at, at four to seven. So I think I might have a little play around with these odds after you've been, <laughs> after you've talked, after you've talked off uh, Martin. Of course, they are on the same goals, aren't they, Jesus at, and, and Martinelli as well. So uh, I know Jesus has gone on there. Uh, I think over the last few games, his XG has been very high despite him not scoring. So, you know, let's see what happens when he comes back from the World Cup. And of course, he's going to fill his boots at the weekend, isn't he, Tim? <laughs> Are you trying to get a rise out of me? It's not going to work. <laughs> I was about to try and get a rise out of you as well because we, we do have to talk about Wolves, Tim. New manager, relieved, I guess, would be the main word. We're finally getting someone in. Yeah, they just need they needed a manager. You know, uh, Steve Davis has you know hasn't done a bad job, but he's 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 not a top level manager. You know, he was he was sacked by Leighton Orient five years ago, and hasn't hasn't been a manager since then. They need organising. Wolves have been famed for their defensive record over over the last few years. They've been in the Premier League, and they just keep conceding numerous goals week after week. It was three against Brighton last week, four against Leicester a couple of weeks ago, three at Chelsea, two at West Ham, two at Palace. So they needed a good. They needed a manager just to come in and organise them. They happened to get have, have landed a very good one at the third time of asking. You know this. This is not the first time they've gone for Jun Lopetegui. They finally managed to get hold of him. He isn't here yet, um, but his staff are all here. They are all at the at the League Cup win over Leeds on Wednesday night. So um, it'd be interesting to see what input they and he have in this uh, in this match on Saturday. I assume he'll have some kind of input this weekend, and perhaps we'll see a, a little bit of a difference on the pitch. But it, it would take. A huge turnaround for Wolves to get anything from this game because um, they are all at sea at the moment, I'm afraid. 
Yeah, and I don't know whether people know, but there's the small deal of a World Cup that's coming up imminently. Tim, I'll stay with you because Raul Jimenez is in Mexico training, trying to get fit for that at the moment. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you're shaking your head. Not happy. It's an absolute shambles, Dan, to be honest. It's, an, it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. But it's just been so obvious about it. You know, there, there are a lot of players that are, that are not playing because they want to go to the World Cup. But Raul Jimenez just happens to have gone to Mexico early to go and, to go and get fit and train with his teammates. It, it's awful because, you know, Wolves are saying, Wolves are saying he's injured. Um, he can't play for Wolves before the World Cup. And then Mexico have a game on Wednesday night and Raul Jimenez is sat on the bench. Apparently, this is a bit of a communication mix up and Mexico have apologised. You know, he was, he was apparently never going to play. He was just on the bench because they wanted to give him a bit of a boost, and he apparently wasn't even in his gear. I mean, it's it's just it's just pretty shambolic, to be honest. Um, I, I see both sides of it. Obviously, Wolves pays wages. No striker has scored for Wolves for what is edging towards the majority of a season. Um, I'm not sure what the latest count is, but recently it was 24 matches that no striker had scored a goal for Wolves. Steve Ball, the last one to score. <laughs> oh, get him, Steve, get him on. Honestly, yeah. just he just just wheel trim, him on. He still looks trim, buddy. You never, honestly, it, yeah, he is. You never lose it. You never lose it. Diego Costa didn't score. Huang hasn't scored for. Well, I can't remember the last time Huang scored, and, and Jimenez for a long time. So. So Wolves pay his wages, they need him. But from his point of view, it's been a very complicated knee and, and groin injuries, I think it is. You know, he's he's Mexico's main man. You can't underestimate he's he's you know, he's sort of their Beckham over there, he's their superstar. They've got Saudi Arabia and Poland in their group, I guess. So I guess he's thinking, you know, he's got a decent chance at probably what is his last World Cup here. So I do have a bit of sympathy for him. You know, he knows better than any of us um, how short football careers can be. He's thinking it's his last World Cup, and that means more to him than anything right now. So I do get that, but for if you know, from a Wolves' point of view, they pay his wages. And you look at someone like Richarlison coming back for Spurs and getting half an hour in, you know, to get himself fit for Brazil. I look at Harry Kane playing an hour for Spurs as well, you know, keeping up, ticking over. So Jimenez could have done that, but he didn't. So uh, it's a bit of a shambolic situation, it is. Let's look now at Fulham against Manchester United, which is Sunday at 4.30. Manchester United taken apart at Villa Park. All three defeats that they've had this season were away from home. The two most recent ones, Manchester City and Villa, were following midweek games, Rich. Any cause for concern in that? Um, not, not, not really. I think yeah, I, I must note there the, the verve and the vim and the the way you said taken apart there. And you know what? Because we, we previewed face. Villa for the last few weeks. Just a little bit. It's, I mean, it's had to be really negative and then we, we win and there's no, no preview of a Villa game. So I had to, I had to get, I felt like I had to get something. No, in. you've got to take it as it comes, haven't you? Um, no, I'm, I'm not really concerned. I mean, obviously it's, it's disappointing to lose the games. I think as well as the manner of the defeats as well. Cause I mean, obviously City took United apart and, and Villa were, were by and large the, the much better side and, and were full value for the win. Um, so it's obviously something that they've got to look at. But I think, you know, if you look at the, the, the whole kind of spectrum and the whole kind of to chart United's progress under Ten Hag, I think it's it's going in an upward curve. And just, you know, there will be bumps in the road. And if they can sort, you know, that performances after midweek, then of, of course, you know, they'll be doing even better. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a massive cause, cause for concern. I think it's just a case of just looking at the positives and and trying to improve for for the next game, which is will be difficult. See, Fulham are a tough tough side to beat, playing very well themselves. But um, you know, United should have enough quality to win that game. I feel. 
Steve, let's talk the Cristiano Ronaldo fiasco. You know, we've, we've just been speaking about Arsenal and what Arteta's harnessed. Last season, he sold Aubameyang without any replacement mid- midway through the season, which, which was obviously really heavily questioned at the time. Do Manchester United just, just need to follow suit with Ronaldo now? I mean, there are other podcasts available in the world other than this one. I don't know whether you heard what Jamie Carragher was saying about Ronaldo. He's kind of saying that, that Ten Hag can't lose now because he's played him at times and, and, and he's not done it. So he kind of Ten Hag can't lose now with the way he's handled it. I, I do think he's handled it well, but I was watching Ronaldo plod around at Villa Park and it just was a hindrance to Manchester United more than a help. It's, it's as if Ten Hag is kind of making a point, but who's going to take him on the money? That's, of course, very difficult to to get out of Old Trafford. He was 23 touches last week. I spoke to you know my best mate as a Villa season ticket holder. He was there. He was just... I was surprised that he was made captain. That was the thing that really got me. I mean, I suppose Ten Hag would argue, well, there's no other. Okay, David De Gea in goal. Do you give a goalkeeper captaincy? I don't know. Casemiro, he's English, probably isn't that isn't that good. Christian Eriksen, would he would he not have been a a better captain than than Ronaldo? I, he, he's he has to go for me. He, I think we see now the type of quality of shots that he's getting off. He's still taking free kicks. We know he's, he's terrible at free kicks these days. He's, and he's strutting around the place as if he's still the player that he was. He isn't. And unfortunately for him, his powers are massively, massively on the way. Um, but whether that, that gets shot of him, I really don't know. But they are four favourites to finish in the top four. They are six to five. So you know, there's, there's still hope for Manchester United to finish in there. Tim, I've got a question for you. You just said a Wolves striker hasn't scored a, a goal this millennium. Obviously, Wolves have got a, a special relationship with a certain man. Would you take Ronaldo at Wolves if you were offered him? Him and Costa up front, yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? That would. <laughs> uh, I always thought it was, it was inevitable that Ronaldo and Jose Mourinho would end up at Wolves towards the end of their careers, yeah, due to the due to who their agent is. Um, would I take Ronaldo? The egos uh, of these Wolves fans these days. Oh my god! <laughs> Probably you're, you're thinking about it. This <laughs> is what we've got to put up with, Rich, all the time. These egos. No, I've just just been offered bully up front by Steve, so I, I, I think I'll take that. To be honest, but I've got to say the the captain thing is is absolutely ludicrous. I don't, I don't care who gets the armband as long as it's not him, because the guy walked away from the stadium before the match had finished a few weeks ago. You can't give him the armband. Like it is important, you know, even if it's just a symbol. I agree with Steve. He's 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 just got to go. I don't think they need him anymore. To be honest, um, and no, no I, I don't want him at Wolves either. Interesting. I'm like you. I always thought he'd end up at Wolves at some point. I mean, he, st- he still might at some stage in his, his career. So never say never. Can I just ask what what was the reason for giving him the captaincy? It's not like the guy needs an ego boost. Do you know? Do you, do you know what I mean? What, what, most experienced what, what, what player. I'm going to guess, but I mean, he's always the most experienced player because I think he's the oldest in the in the squad, isn't he? So you, you wouldn't usually have the arm. Back, not good. And I'm surprised at Ten Hag for that because because like you said, Dan, it seemed like he sort of cracked it, and he and he's the one to run in the dressing room. Whereas I just thought, yeah, the, the optics of that are, are awful. Yeah, I guess he obviously is captain of Portugal and has been a captain before. But yeah, there's been so too much stuff happened with him over the last six months or so that it was a surprising decision to, to see him have the, have the armband on. Fulham were moments away from taking a point from Manchester City last weekend, Rich. They're obviously down to 10 men, City. But credit to the way Fulham have equipped themselves this season because you know, I think they'd have given them a game with, with 11 as well. Fulham have been really one of the success stories of the Premier League in this first bit of the season. Yeah, they have been. I'm really surprised, to be fair, at how how well they've done. I mean, obviously they had a great season last season, and they've obviously brought that confidence into this campaign. But I've been really surprised at how organised they've been and how 
they've just not shown any fear really. And I think, you know, that's down to the manager. You know, I think he's really instilled that confidence in them. You know, uh, you know, obviously Mitrovic will get the applauded, of course, but I think Harrison Reed in midfield has been really impressive uh, alongside uh, Jao Paulini, of course. And Andreas Pereira is really, he, he's someone who's really come on leaps and bounds because when I was at United, I guess, you know, supporters weren't too sure about, you know, could he hack it at the Premier League level? But I mean, he's come, come, come back with Fulham with obviously confidence after his stint in Brazil and, he looks, he looks a different player. So, yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with him so far. More more assured, more confident, and the given sides of the game and being more competitive, which I think is what you want from their perspective. Yeah, Mitrovic was rested today last weekend ahead of the World Cup. Players are keeping themselves fresh for that in, in some outfits. What impact do we think that could have this weekend? Do you think he'll play? Personally, if it was me going to the World Cup, clearly England would be struggling if they, if they went with me. But... You might get going for Wolves, Dave. <laughs> Good deal, yeah. If you slot me around Asda, you'll uh, in Wolverhampton, you'll know why. I don't blame players personally. This is this is probably the biggest thing in their career. And you do you want them going on the pitch, not putting hundred percent in? It's clearly he's going to play on their minds. He has to. It's a just a big a big festival for them to uh, uh, to be there. And if I've got a slight knock, I'm saying to the gaffer. I mean, the fans probably can't understand it. You know, they want to play for their team and stuff. And I mean, Fulham equipped themselves really well. I mean, Mitrovic is renowned as the main man for Fulham, but the fact that I know it was against ten men, but the fact that they went to Manchester City and gave, and, and gave such a good performance without their talisman means that maybe teams this week can probably get away with it. But you ask the question, Dan. I, I, I personally would be would be saying, yeah, I'm uh, I'm off to the World Cup. Yeah, I think this final weekend before the World Cup could could be quite interesting. Some, some team news will be massive, particularly in the yeah. betting world, Dan, as well. The prices of, of teams. You know, when the two news comes out at like an hour before kickoff, I'd imagine there'd be quite a few bits of fluctuation. Yeah, the eye test on certain players as well are that are they putting a hundred percent in? I think I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of questions this weekend. You're listening to the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit begambleaware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. 
Right then, let's finish with Bournemouth against Everton. A big game down the bottom, Saturday 3pm. Bournemouth have thrown away two goal leads in each of their last two Premier League games against Leeds and Tottenham team. They're vulnerable defensively, but to be fair to them, they do carry a threat going forward. If they, if they can sort out that, that looseness you know, with the goalkeeper and the defence, they've got, got a shout of staying up, I think. A shout, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um you know, Gary O'Neill's d- d- done a decent job. They obviously went on that mini unbeaten run. He's getting the best from a couple of players. Tavernier's, Tavernier's doing really well. Uh, Kiefer Moore, score, I saw, score a couple of goals the other week. You know, they do play to their strengths. But yeah, this issue with the defence, that obviously that can't carry on. So the, the big thing now for Bournemouth is, you know, um, obviously, well, massive game this weekend. But then after that, who's the appointment going to be? I'm sure they've got, but it seems like they've got someone in mind. I think it was going to be Gary O'Neill that they'd have probably done it already. Yeah. Apparently, Dyche and Wilder not considered, I was reading this week. So it'd be really interesting to see who they do go for. And you'd imagine, you know, an appointment with the championship in mind is prudent, really, because, yes, they've got a chance of staying up. I personally, I don't think they'd do it. I don't think they've got enough quality. But they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they, in terms of relegation at the end of the season. So so there's a there's a good chance they'll go down and they've got to appoint with that in mind, really. And like I said, Gary Neal's done a good job. Although the most concerning thing for me about him at the moment is he started talking about himself in the third person. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I'm going to enjoy the next four days and then let's worry about what happens to Gary O'Neill after that. Which is the first sign of madness. So I'm, I'm a, bit, a bit concerned for him. But yeah, no, but he's but he's putting himself in, in the manager's shop window, so to speak. And, you know, if the Luton job did come up for him, I think that'd be a really good move. But um, but no, Bournemouth, like, like Wolves, you know, need to bring a proper manager in. Yeah, Dan Bardell's going to throw something out there. Hey. Ralph Hurdle. <laughs> anyone anyone think him him to Bournemouth? Would that, I think that'd be a, a good He needs match. a break. He needs a break after four years at, at Southampton on the south coast, doesn't he? Yeah. I think uh, I think I think they will, will appoint foreign. I think it'll be left field and I think it'll be not too far away. Okay, then let's have a little look at Everton. They were battered 4-1 at the Vitality on Tuesday night in the Carabao Cup. Frank Lampard was frustrated with the performance, Rich annoyed with his squad. Everton, should they be worried? And also, on a completely separate note, what do teams get drawn with each other in the cup and then be playing in the league so close all the time? That happens all the time. There's another game, Villa at Manchester United. They've only just played. I feel like that kind of thing happens a lot. It's far too frequent, but I mean, I don't want to say anything and get myself into trouble. But it happens far too often, doesn't it? Um, It's really really interesting. Um, But yeah, with, with, with Everton, I think the issue that they've got is, I guess with, with quite a few sides, is that the first 11 are competitive. And when you look at what happened in midweek, when you bring in the second string, there's a, there's a clear difference there. I mean, obviously they're not playing, so they're going to be rusty. They're not going to come into the game in good form. But you'd think, okay, this is an opportunity for us to stake a claim and, and be in that first team. But I mean, they were so far off it. I mean, to, to, you know, to lose it in the manner that they did was really, really disappointing. So I think it's something that Lampard needs to look at whether they strengthen again in, in January um, because if they don't and they start getting a few injuries that's when you start really being concerned and thinking okay do Everton have enough to stay up again this season you know they, they bought well in the summer um, she looked look really strong at the back as well I think they've got their third best defence in the league this season so they've obviously tightened up there but you know you do become fearful with you know there are injuries in that back line or, or, or indeed in, in midfield as well Mm. Steve, what are, what are the odds saying Re- relegation was? Who are the favourites to go down at the moment? Sorry to put you on the spot. Now, Bournemouth are second favourites at one to two to go down. Currently, Forest are, are two to five with with uh, Wolves at, at six to five. Southampton seven to four, and then Everton at eleven to four, fifth favourites. I, I feel sorry for Everton fans, the away fans particularly, who always travel in big numbers. 
They went to Newcastle midweek not so long ago, no shot on target. They've also had a, a, didn't have a shot on target at, at Spurs as well. They obviously went down to Bournemouth as well. They made a load of changes, clearly trying to stop in the in the Premier League now as opposed to winning trophies. But Bournemouth, Bournemouth also made a hell of a lot of changes as well. I don't know about you, as clearly as a neutral in, in the Premier League. I just find Everton boring. Of all the 20 teams who I would watch in the Premier League, that would be 20th. I think I just I know they want to try try and stop in the Premier League now and, and and Frank Lampard did really well towards the end of last season winning three of the last six games to stay in there but I just switch him I mean even the Leicester game last week I thought I'll, I'll watch that and I just thought they just bore me to tears I thought Leicester were good yeah possibly but I've got no axe to grind against, against Everton whatsoever I'm just saying that when I've been watching them I know they hammered Crystal Palace at home not too long ago but I just they don't excite me is that a bit harsh Apologies, apologies if it is. Team beginning with W that I think are a bit more boring. Hang on. <laughs> West Ham, West Ham, West Ham are fine. Don't, don't, don't slag, don't bring West Ham into this. I'm just amazed that Steve would actually watch Wolves over over another team. But then, he, but then you know they lose every week at the moment. So I'll be, so I'll be wearing my Arsenal pajamas this week, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who I've got to go to go down at the, at the moment. I think, I think Forest is is the obvious one, but I think a few teams could could get pulled. Southampton now could could go either way. It's going to be going to be interesting down the bottom. So those are our matches to keep an eye on this weekend with the final Premier League weekend ahead of the World Cup looking a little bit something like this. Manchester City welcome Brentford in the early kickoff on Saturday at 12.30pm. There are four three o'clocks to follow that Bournemouth-Everton game, West Ham v Leicester, Tottenham take on Leeds and Nottingham Forest play Crystal Palace. The tea time game is Chelsea's visit to Newcastle followed by Wolves v Arsenal at 745 on Sunday, Aston Villa travel to Brighton at 2 o'clock before Fulham v Manchester United at 4.30. Before we go, Steve, this is your moment to shine. I'm going to hand over to you. It's time for the six-score challenge. Yeah, six-score challenge. The million pounds still hasn't been won. So it's a free-to-play game with cash prizes for getting correct scores in the Premier League. The six games this week. Tim, I'm going to start with you. Liverpool, Southampton. Uh, uh, 3-1 Liverpool. Okay, Spurs against Leeds. Oh, God. Um, uh, one all. Okay, uh, Rich, I'll give you Newcastle-Chelsea. 2-1 uh, Newcastle. Ooh, okay. And Wolves-Arsenal. Remember, Tim is listening. <laughs> I'm going to say Wolves nil, Arsenal 4. Like it. <laughs> TL, come on. Okay. Half-time or full-time is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dan, I know you're... Uh, you're quadrophilic. You're off down to Brighton, so I'm going to give you Brighton Villa. Don't give me Villa. I don't want. I don't want Villa. Uh, I'm going to go for them to win the to two one to Villa. Wow. Okay. And uh, Fulham Manchester United. Hmm. A lot of this depends on Mitrovic. Uh, I will go for one nil to Manchester United. Okay, guys. So hopefully, we can uh, get that million pound between us next week. Not going to make the joke about the big check coming around my house that you've made every week so far. <laughs> not 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 doing that this week. No, after seven times, I thought okay. that's enough. Okay, fair enough. And, and you haven't been around my house with the check yet, anyway. I'm not allowed. So, yeah. No. Well, you are allowed. Believe me, if you want to come around with a million pound check, please, please <laughs> ma- ma- make your way down here. That is it from us here at the Weekend Preview. That's it from us this side of the World Cup as well. But we will be back ahead of the return of the Premier League. Enjoy all the World Cup. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.